Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 at 15 and Hummel's Wharf. You can go online to sunburymotors.com. You can take a look at the great inventory of Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, and their great pre-owned inventory. You can... Select the car that you want, and then you can get a great deal on it and do it all from the comfort of your own home and sunburymotors.com. Dick Girardi in a moment, play-by-play call today. Dick and I will be talking about Michael Jordan, another great Jordan highlight from the NBA Finals. Pippen had the mismatch. Found Jordan open. Here's Michael. Typical Jordan on the finger roll, and with that... After massive and intense preparation, I bring in my broadcast partner for 16, now going on 17 seasons, Dick Girardi. DJ, welcome. Steve, it was kind of like our preparation prior to our first broadcast together. (laughs) Really, virtually the same. So in other words, in in, uh, 16 years, nothing's changed. No, no. For the people that don't know that story, we met in Milwaukee the morning of our first broadcast. It was a Penn State basketball game versus Western Illinois. Illinois State. State. Okay, Illinois State. And and Steve, of course, was the veteran of the group here. And I said, well, what do we do? And he says, well, I'll talk, and then you'll talk, and then I'll talk. I said, that's about it. He says, that's about it. I said, that's kind of what we did. It's what we've done since day one. (laughs) (laughs) And at least there are two people that think it works. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're we're still talking. (laughs) Still talking. Dick uh, sent me an article that he wrote back in 95 about uh, which was in the middle uh, in the early stages of the Jordan comeback that was not shown on the documentary last night. Dick, it was at the old Boston Garden, rats and all, and uh, and it was a surreal night because that was the night they had picked in advance that they were going to retire Reggie Lewis's number 35. What was it like being in the atmosphere of Jordan's back, but the background of our, and, the, and what surrounded Reggie Lewis's death was hanging over? It was crazy. It was one of the wilder nights I've ever experienced. It was interesting, Steve, when I was watching the documentary last night, and for the people that haven't seen it, it includes the parts where he, uh, Michael Jordan played baseball after he retired the first time following the third championship in 93. Um, and then he came back when there was the baseball strike in 95 and played the last several weeks of the regular season. And his second game back, uh, they showed his first game back, which was at Old Market Square in Indianapolis against the Pacers. His second game back was at the Old Boston Garden. And as Steve said, it was the night they had already picked out to honor Reggie Lewis. So it was this confluence of events. And Mike Rathard, our, our executive sports editor at the Daily News in Philly, said, hey, why don't you go up there and just write a story, find out what's going on. And it was my one and only visit to the old Boston Garden. They were about to tear it down. Uh, it was its last season. The Celtics were terrible. Uh, Jordan was a, a brilliant. I mean, for a guy who hadn't played basketball in almost two years, it was like I think he had 27 points that night. But that was kind of almost a sideshow uh, because people that remember Reggie Lewis had played for the Celtics for about six seasons was a really good player on some okay teams, not great Celtics teams, right. but okay teams. Um, and he was kind of coming in as, as Larry Bird was getting near the end. And and then he died one day at, at where they used to practice at Brandeis University. He just, he just passed away. And there were all these dueling doctor's reports and, like, who, who was responsible because he'd had some issues. It was not unlike in some ways – the Hank Gathers situation, there was at right. least some analogy to that. But unlike the Gathers situation, this got crazy because in the days prior to this game, the Wall Street Journal reported that uh, one of his one of his friends was being quoted as saying they had done cocaine together many times, and 
they had done cocaine with Len Bias, and then people are the same guy that said he said it that denied it. So it was all this crazy stuff happening, and and then Jordan comes back, and it was really I, I I'd forgotten about the story a little bit until I watched the documentary last night, and I said I got to call up this story, which I did late last night, and then as you said, I emailed it to you. It was nuts, Steve. It was yeah. one of the crazier nights ever. Uh, just all these different things happening, and I was just reporting on it and wrote this column. And it, when I read it again, I said, "Man, it was almost, it was just a little over twenty five mm-hmm. years ago." I'm thinking, "Man," and this is pre internet, yeah. pre uh, Twitter, pre Facebook, pre all the stuff we deal with now. And and I felt like it was a really crazy time. I couldn't even imagine it in today's environment. Well, here's the other part that makes it, it crazy. It wasn't like the Celtics emotionally retired his number uh, the season after he passed away. That, that happened. He died 20 months before that, right? And that that's what I found to be interesting is that, uh, of all the ironies, they picked that night because they didn't do it in the emotion of the aftermath of the next season. They did it the season after that. Yeah, there were there was a lot of recriminations about again. I, there were there were lawsuits and, it, and yeah. different doctors had, had diagnosed one thing, and then they said, "Well, th- this is wrong." And I, I don't have any inclination to explain what that was all about because frankly, I didn't understand it then. I don't understand it now. That's not what I do. Uh, you just listen. But what where I wrote the story was everybody seemed to have an opinion yeah. and no facts, and the truth, as I wrote at the end, was just hard to find. <laughs> Still is to this day, but everybody seemed to think they know knew something, but really they didn't know anything. In the middle of this, Michael Jordan is in this little locker room. That <laughs> I think I described as like a walk-in closet, yes. small a walk-in closet at his house. Yep. And and it was like, hey man, Michael Jordan's back playing basketball, and they're raising Reggie Lewis's number to the Raptors. And the what was the the headline of the Boston Herald that day was foul wine. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, it was, it, yeah. was cra- it was just crazy. And it was in the middle of the NCAA tournament. I had been in Baltimore the week before right. for the final game for Jerome Allen and Matt Maloney for those great Penn teams that Fran Dunphy coached. And then was when I got back home, I was going to head to the Meadowlands for the Sweet 16, which included uh, one of John Calipari's first really good UMass teams with Lou Rowe. And and uh, Oklahoma State with Big Country Reeves and Eddie Sutton at Oklahoma State eventually got to the Final Four that year in Seattle. Yeah, and then later on they had the double nickel game, which they showed, and the and right. and, Penn, and Penn State was at the game because that was during the NIT Final Four. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that to me in a text today, and I, I, yeah, that that means a double nickel game. The guy's been back; he hadn't played for two years. He's been back in like two weeks. <laughs> And he's putting up 55 at the guard. <laughs> Which he says, and you and I kind of feel the same way. That's like, you know, in the pros, that's the arena. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, it, it uh, is. It, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm glad for people, Steve, that didn't live through it like we did, yeah. to get a chance to go back and see what this was like. And again, keep in mind, this was, I mean, it, it started, the frenzy started 30 years ago, even 35 years ago when Jordan was a rookie but kind of hit an early crescendo when they won the first title in 91. So we're talking about 30 years ago. And when you see the camera crews at the, at the practices and the games, he was such a phenomenon and they were, and it's great for younger people to get to see how big this was. If if, try to extrapolate all that into today's era, it would be insanity. I mean, it would just be off the charts and he was kind of accessible back then. And I think it's great for a, a 50-ish Michael Jordan to be able to reflect on everything. And I think the one thing that came through last night, it's really come through the whole doc, is just how obsessed he was with being great and winning. Yeah. And I don't know, in my life, I could, Tiger Woods would qualify in that realm yep. uh, in golf. Uh, I, I don't know that Ali was as obsessed with winning, uh, but he was as talented and as I don't know if it was winning. He he was obsessed with doing what uh, what the people that believed in him wanted to do, which meant winning uh, in in the ring some t- often, but just doing the things he did that made him made him great. But yeah, Jordan is one of the ve- you can count them on one hand in history that are like that. And he just I mean, it's great for people to see and hear that 
and you can, Steve, you can still hear it today. Yep. He's still obsessed. Well, there's no question. I mean, uh, uh, his Hall of Fame speech, watch that. Yep. I mean, he's got a list. <laughs> and the list wasn't all friendly, Dick. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's fascinating to hear him now. What was it? Poor LeBradford Smith of yes. Louisville. Yeah. He, he invented this thing that never happened so he could go torture him the next night. And if somebody like Clyde Drexler and then one thing, he, he just had to go after Clyde. I don't think he even disliked any of these people. He just invented reasons or ways to get him motivated. And uh, he, it was, I mean, again, and also when you get to see the films and that how great he really was as a player, it's, uh, I mean, he could walk out there today and be the best player in the NBA uh, in his 20s and 30s. And you put him in today, there's still been nobody better. And, and I don't know that and, there will be. And you saw the dream team. So, I mean, I yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you saw the dream team uh, and you had the great conversation with Chuck Daly. <laughs> Yep. The, yeah, yeah. the one, it, it wasn't really a question. It was just a point you made to him. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, it was interesting. I, I was um, one of three people for the Daily News covering the Barcelona Olympics. Phil Jasner, our great legendary yep. NBA writer, was the main guy on the Dream Team. But I went to the semifinals and the finals just to be there. And after the championship game, I did. I went up to Chuck Daly and I said, Chuck. Because I watched all the games, even if I wasn't at them, just on TV at the press center or somewhere. I said, you never called a timeout. He, said, he looked at me and he laughed. He said, yeah, that was my only goal. <laughs> he never called a timeout. Because <laughs> they were always up by 30 or 40 or 50. Yeah, it, w- it was unbelievable just to watch all of those great players play together. And Jordan, as great as he was, he was kind of cruising through that because he knew he didn't have to kill everybody. And Barkley was actually the best player on the team. He was yeah. he was un, unreal, but yeah, it was there will never be anything like that again. But yeah, it, it's it's great for people that didn't see it to be able to to see this documentary. And yeah, I'm looking forward to nine or nine and ten both next Sunday. Steve? Yes, the yeah, final? Nine, okay. yeah, nine and ten both next Sunday. Okay. I know it, it. You know, it probably won't be mentioned because they. I know that the the kids will be on, involved at some point. Uh, and it, you know, Penn State offered Jeffrey Jordan a preferred walk-on. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And then he ended okay. up taking a preferred walk-on from Illinois instead. Uh, yeah. But, no. No. I remember. I remember him playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it's uh, and it, and obviously the timing. They moved it up because people are just just hoping to be able to see anything now uh, because there's just nothing. What What are we? Korean baseball is now one of the one. <laughs> One of the highest-rated shows on television. Right now, it's it's second to the Jordan documentary. Yeah, I mean, it's, wow. I mean, he, I know when we left uh, Indianapolis yeah. two months ago, we we knew it was going to be strange. I don't know. I don't know that either of us or any of us anticipated what was going to take place. Though, good lord. I mean, for you and me, this documentary has been a refresher. In a lot of ways. I mean, there's not really anything like there's nothing new in there. You and I both knew Scotty Pippen had the issue at the end of the at the end yep. of the next game. I mean, there are all these things we know. It's just yep. now it's it's I I think though the way the documentary is put together, I, mm-hmm. I have to give the people who put it together, in my personal opinion, I think they brilliantly have done it. Yeah, no, it's fascinating how they toggle back and forth to ninety three to ninety eight which is obviously the the last season when the whole bulls to get team together to this moment i've still never i know, I know Jerry Krause has come across as the villain here, which is it's unfortunate in some ways because he was the guy who procured almost all the talent to make the team great beyond jordan i i don't I can't figure out to this day why they decided at the beginning of that season that Phil Jackson wasn't coming back and they were going to break up the team i nobody's explained that to me no. I can't figure that out. That's the part I can't figure out either. Um, and I don't know if they didn't want to pay people. Now, what was interesting, remember Reinsdorf, but I remember this happening at the time. Reinsdorf kept paying Jordan his bull salary when he was with Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Which we knew. But it was interesting hearing him say, he says, actually, you know, I mean, he was so underpaid in the league. <laughs> it's like when the owner knows you're underpaid. 
Yeah, I mean, and I, I, I had forgotten about how underpaid Pippen was that he had signed oh. that crazy contract early in his career. So, and, and look, that if you want to read one of the great sports books I ever, read Breaks of the Game by David Halberstam. It's about the late 70s Portland Trailblazers. And even then, players spent almost all their time talking about what the guy next to him was making. Yeah. So, and that's become a bigger deal, obviously, as the money has gone up. That was obviously part of it, but there had to be a way to let these guys just go. Maybe, maybe eventually, they, eventually they would have gotten beaten, like everybody else. Some younger, better team would have come and caught it. But at least let them keep playing. Yes. Maybe they'd have, they'd have won seven or eight. And it's interesting that two years Jordan didn't play. I know, I know they're thrilled in Houston about that. Maybe the Rockets. You know, do the Rockets beat them? I don't think so. No. Uh, I, don't I don't think anybody would have been. No, I don't. I don't think so either. It was in, but you know what? I thought the way they explained the Pippen thing on his contract, why mm-hmm. he signed it. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was interesting. It was yep. interesting because yep. when you come from nothing, yep, and it's a lot of money, man. and you're a walk on, yep, and you have people at home to take care of his father and yep. his brother. I get it. He wanted the seven years of security. Yeah, no, no, I get it. It's it's also interesting. I I kind of remember. The one team I really desperately wanted to beat the Bulls was the Suns uh, in '93. Yeah, Charles, I liked I liked Barkley. I'd gone out there to do a story on him. He'd just been traded from the Sixers. He basically talked his way out of Philly, <laughs> and and I thought that was the one team that had a realistic chance because they couldn't guard them, and they never did. And, right. and they actually had Game Six won. They were up five with less than a minute left, uh, and it would have been interesting. But at, in all those years in the finals. There was never a game seven. It never got that. No, <laughs> not one time. No, yeah, in the finals, that's in the finals. In the finals, right? Yeah. There's, there's coming up in the in nine and ten. Yeah. There'll be the, the game seven with the Pacers. Uh, that that series was wild, uh, but they always found a way. But yeah, that's the one mystery. Maybe they'll solve it in nine and ten. But yeah. I I can't. I because Reinsdorf would have had to sign off on what Jerry Krause was doing. I know. I, I'm just baffled by what. <laughs> I mean, Jordan was how old in 98, Steve? Like 34? Yeah. 35? 35, yeah. Yeah, and he, he was still great, and Pippen played a number of more years. And, and, of course, I actually was at the Garden a couple of years later when Jordan came back and played with the Wizards. Yeah. People are, probably don't even remember that. Did that happen? Well, he played in the Jordan Center with the Wizards. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. but the, yes, people uh, – it was just kind of an addendum to his career, but – I mean, why why not let him go again? Who won the title the year after the after the Bulls were broken up? Do we know that? No, nobody knows. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I mean that that tells you something. And twenty years later, I'm going to assume Bulls, I'm going to assume it was the Lakers, but yeah, that that maybe it was the Shaq Kobe group. It in the in the um, although they didn't, I don't think they won until Phil showed up. I don't think Phil showed up the next year, did he? But whatever, somebody will. Might have been San Antonio. Might have been the first. Yeah, it may, it might have been the first Spurs thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah with Pop. So uh, think about this: twenty years now, twenty years later, the Bulls have basically been good for like two or three seasons before Derrick Rose blew out his knee, and they were very good. Uh, they were one of they were probably the best team in the East for a couple of years. So that that's by tearing it all down, that's what you get. Yeah. Just let it finish. It's. Well, you, ain't, you ain't drafting Jordan again. Well, they've you never ain't getting Pippen again. They've never been They're close since. Teams. They haven't been close no. since. Yeah, the one team that was very good was that Derrick Rose team because yeah. they were the one yeah. seed. Yeah. Yep. They actually lost to the Sixers because he blew out his knee early in the se- in the series. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they were good enough to win a championship or not because uh, most of, by that time the power and all headed out west. Anyway. Uh, Spurs beat them. Sports talk where okay. your voice yeah, counts. Yeah, this is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Welcome Steve back to today's show brought to you by good friends at Sunbury Motors. Fourth Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, you can also go online. Sunburymotors.com. That's where you can buy. Sunburymotors.com. You can check out online yeah, they, the great they, inventory: Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, Kia, 
And also, <laughs> they're great pre-owned inventory. Great deals, will. interest rates. Uh, you can go to sunburymotors.com. You can buy actually from the comfort of your own home. Is that home. the one guy Pretty good. that absolutely Not bad knew at all. that they could beat all right, the right, Yesterday, we did talk extensively about Bill Madden's he's story. coaching. There have been no okay, yeah. and he's not <laughs> stories that have come okay, out. Because yeah. the players yeah. have to think. They Since the April 22nd meeting that took place in the negotiation between minor league baseball. And Major League Baseball. Yeah, no, he, and, of course, there's been a lot of talk of the cut from 160 was, to 120. Like he, played. he was the coolest guy in the gym. But Nothing Bill Madden ever. of the New York Daily and News, who's one of the great writers ever, talked about the effect on not just a revised system, but who's going to survive just this year. 20. That you may have attrition yeah, they're, they're of minor league teams time just because they don't play is, this year as a possibility. They may have minor league baseball, but the question is how Michael far Jordan down will it go? Yeah, will it be triple A, double A, I don't and, or will they just put them today, in extended spring training? Set it up. No, none of that's been talked though. about. Is what yeah. Jordan, Jordan did, but then he threw in this he, tip. Jordan did for the NBA and their players' uh, salaries. Most, but not all, of the, of the short season teams would disappear. Would this is an exact yeah, quote. No doubt, many it of the was, New York Penn League teams, including Brooklyn, Hudson Valley, Lowell, State College, Mahoning Valley, and possibly Staten Island, once again, would be merged into the low A South Atlantic League as its newly created Northern Division. Maybe minutes. And then Staten Island, he kind of like threw some shade at Staten Island because they've gone from 7,000 a game down to 1,848 a game. Yes, sir. He says, if Staten Island gets contracted, it would be because of terrible ownership. Dick Girardi. Tony Knopf. Final half hour brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. That that was a tidbit thrown out there in his article this weekend where I sat back and went, whoa, it's the first I've seen of that. And I've talked to a couple of other people. It's the first they've seen of it, too. Uh, now we wait to find out the accuracy of it, although I consider the source of a great writer writing that. Well, let's bring in Gabe Sinecropi, talk about the uh, cross-cutters through all of this. Gabe, I hope you and yours up in Lycoming County are safe and sound, my good friend. We are, Steve. Thank you very much. All right, let's start with this uh, so people understand. We, we can't answer questions for people as to what the future is going to be. But I want to start with this. There are a lot of reports out there and lists out there. As someone who sits and reads reports and sees lists, is there inaccuracy in what we're reading? Well, I think there is some, yes. And, and, uh, you know, people are still working off the uh, contraction list that was published in, I think, mid-October. Um, there's definitely been changes to that list. Uh, we're not privy to all the changes. Uh, I don't think all of the changes are even set in stone yet. Uh, so there's still a lot of unknowns as far as uh, minor league baseball in, in 2021 and, and how it all looked. I think that what is known, though, Steve, is that minor league baseball is going to look different it is going to look different in 2021 exactly how uh it all plays out i don't think we know yet i think we may know fairly soon uh sooner than i had originally thought i thought this may go through even past the end of of the 2020 season uh until it was decided but but i think that um you know things will uh, be put together, uh, and, and a framework will be agreed upon, um, you know, here sometime fairly soon. Yeah, because I, what I found interesting was the April 22nd meeting or negotiation, however that was done by Zoom or whatever they did it, no news came out of that. Like, nobody leaked anything. And I found Finally. that interesting that, <laughs> that there were no leaks on anything that happened with that. Yeah, and and there's been leaks from, you know, the very beginning. Uh, I mean, I think that list was a leak. Uh, You know, both sides have have, uh, pointed fingers at each other uh, about leaking things during these negotiations. Uh, It has been contentious at times. um, But, yeah, not not a lot has has come out of of that meeting, per se, in, in the general public. 
So I want to talk about for the Williamsport situation, something that has been mentioned during all of this and the public posturing has been about minor league facilities. Uh, now, you and I both know, for example, Auburn and Batavia really struggle in this regard. The right. Cutters and their ownership and the city have put $3 million, right, you know, at least that's a general neighborhood. Yeah, even into, more than that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. BB&T Ballpark at, at Historic Bowman Field. What has that done for the facility, and what has that done to make people think that it is a viable facility going forward? Well, I think, number one, uh, and, and I think you would attest to it, Steve, and, and you'll even attest to it more this year if you have the opportunity to be there, uh, that, you know, the the renovations that were made over the last three, four years, uh, you know, got us over a hump. It got us over a hump that, that we've been trying to get over for two decades. And it, it all came about due to the MLB Little League Classic. And with the city's help and, and our help and obviously Major League Baseball's help, some things were done to, to the ballpark um, to where we have, uh, if not the best, tied for the best uh, minor league field, you know, the actual turf, uh, yeah. you know, in all 160 ballparks. Uh, Major League Baseball takes care of that field 12 months a year. Um, they they employ the head groundskeeper. So you know that, that we have a field uh, that that's as, as good as any in the minor leagues, better than many in the major leagues. And even the major yep. league players that come will say that mm -hmm. because they do not allow a whole lot of stuff happening on that field over the course of the 12 months besides the Cutters uh, games and, of course, uh, that classic. There are a few other games, but not nearly uh, what are on other fields and, and around the country. So they take good care of it. But, it, it you know, it just elevated our, our stadium. And that said, I'll, I'll say that, you know, we still don't have – all of the amenities both for fans and for players and, and the personnel that, that many stadiums have. So I still don't put us facility-wise in the rank of, you know, a state college or a Brooklyn or a Staten Island or et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, but we're much better than we were, and I think we are viable. I think we are absolutely still viable. There's no, well, no question about that. You're still viable. Um, what has this time been like for you? Because you're getting the question all the time. And, I, you know, and as you know, I'm not going to ask the question because, I mean, I think you and I are both smart enough that we've been around this a long time and we don't talk in the, in, in the hypotheticals. What's it been like for you, though, though, having to answer the question all the time? Uh, are we going to keep playing? Are we going to keep playing? It's, it's been uh, the, the whole off season. Steve, has been the way I describe it to people is that, you know, in October the list came out and the crosscutters were on that uh, supposed contraction list. And that was like a punch in the gut. Yep. And, uh, you know, while we were still bent over dealing with that punch in the gut a pandemic COVID-19 comes and and while we're bent over with that we get the uppercut it was a one-two punch and uh, we're, we're, we're bloodied and we're bruised but you know we're, we're working very hard to, to be able to fight again and uh, you know we were certainly hoping and certainly still hope to have a 2020 season. But, you know, there's there's two questions now, right? First, it's this season, which we are uh, 43 days away from. Yeah. And uh, then the second question is, what happens in 2021? Because, you know, the crosscutters were supposedly on that list. You know, we, we hope at the end of the day, obviously we have a relationship with Major League Baseball with that MLB Little League Classic. And, Which and is scheduled again. As, they've rescheduled a, it for next year, so they did do that. Yes, yes. So we see that as a, a possible hope and a bridge to uh, 
stay afloat with affiliated baseball. Um, you know, there is the other option of uh, what Major League Baseball is calling the Dream League, uh, which is in sense, in sense an, an independent uh, league uh, yeah. that that cities will have the option of being part of. Uh, it will still be loosely affiliated with Major League Baseball. And, you know, we're looking at all the options because we don't know, nor do, does anybody else know, if they are, at the end of the day, going to be on this list, because the list has been ever-changing. Uh, there's lots of different things going on with it. And, you know, in Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania we're faced with uh, the Cutters, State College, and Erie all being yeah. on that initial list. And uh, I hope that all three of us survive at the end of the day. Yeah, we all do. What is the relationship been like with the Phillies? I mean, in the end, if it sounds like, I mean, that, that you know, that major league teams might be able to make the call on who some people happen to be, what's that relationship been like with the Phillies? Our relationship with the Phillies is awesome. That said, you know, the, it, what is coming out of all of these negotiations is that instead of you know, six teams, they want teams to have four minor league affiliates, right? Right. And unfortunately, in in some regards, we're the redheaded stepchild uh, of, of their affiliates because they don't own us outright, nor do they own a piece of us. Where right. there's uh, the all the other affiliates, they have a piece of, or they own outright. Yeah, they so, own Reading outright. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we're the odd man out with the Phillies. And um, I, I know that that pains them, too. Uh, I've talked to them, and, and that pains them. Um, but but I think that if we survive and move forward, and, and I'm confident that we will, by the way, um, it will probably be with another affiliation in 2021. And... Uh, it's not fun to think about. We have a lot of great friends in the Phillies organization. It's been just awesome being with them. They treat everybody like family, and uh, it it was uh, and still is a, a great experience. But you know, we're we're looking at the possibility that that may not be able to continue due to minor leagues reorganization next year. So, Gabe, this is from a philosophical point of view. Uh, obviously, baseball is doing a lot now with through analytics and so forth, where they want to have a lot of players between the ages of mm, 24 and 30, and they're not really in the mood for the most part, unless you're Mookie Betts or Mike Trout, to give second contracts right to an existing player in the organization. To me, that makes the minor leagues and development more important than ever. I mean, is, do you think that's fair? It is. It's a very fair statement. Um, I think also, though, that they're they're looking at, you know, economics. Sure. Uh, they're looking at, um, you know, they they are now going to pay minor league players more uh, starting yeah. this year, uh, and they should. Uh, they're grossly, you know, underpaid. But but they were looking at, uh, you know, class action lawsuits and all these things by by players. Um, and and now they're they're bringing that pay up, and uh, they they see the opportunity maybe to to just have less of them employed, and uh, that's that's what they're looking at. There, I think there's some things with what Major League Baseball wants to do uh, for the minor leagues. I, there's some of it that makes sense. There really is mm-hmm. uh, the, the geographic stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's this whole big 160 teams in in the minor leagues and where they are. You know, it's it just happened over the years, over the decades, right? That that you build, right. build on it, you build on it. People move. This happens. That happens. And then all of a sudden, you look at it and you say, "Wow, this this geographically is getting kind of weird." And and it is. Uh, so there's there's room for for geography things you know i i hate hate to see for a, a 
a million different reasons, teams going away, um, whether it's us or not. Uh, you know, I think that's that's grassroots baseball that gets kids, uh, turns kids into players, right? And then baseball fans, major league baseball fans, as they grow up, um, you know, some of that's going to be missing out of maybe forty cities, and that's a shame. Um, but things are going to be different in twenty twenty one that we can yeah. we can bet on. Which was going to be my last point, because to me, marketing-wise, I understand the economic part. You know, and we, we just did an entire segment on economics with Tony Knopp. Uh, but part of what you do is marketing. And I think it's really hard to look at 40 cities where you and I know it. You know, The family that lives in Muncie, and it's mom, dad two, three children decide to go over to Bowman for a game. And they walk in and they see that beautiful field put in by Major League Baseball. And at some point they say, geez, boy, I'd like to go to a Phillies game. Right? You're now looking at 42 places across the country. You know, it, it could be 15 to 30. Who knows? Whatever the number happens right. to be. And, right. and, you're saying, and you're saying to them, no. And I think that's that's one of those penny-wise, pound-foolish moves because, to me, I think that's pivotal to your marketing, especially on the major league level when you're getting 30% of your revenue from your gate. It is. It is, and th- those are all good points. Uh, those are all good points, and that's why I say, you know, that, that removing uh, a professional team from, from these cities, however many it ends up being, um, right. has to affect. It's not going to affect attendance next year or the year after, or you know, you're not going to see this until right. a decade later. Yep. Where these young kids are not going to uh, a professional baseball game and wanting to, to emulate those players on the field by playing t-ball and playing little league baseball. And then, uh, you know, we all age out at a certain point uh, of, of playing, and, and, we're, and we're fans, and we're fans. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the, I, that's going to be missing, and it's going to take time for that to really take effect. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a shame. It definitely is. Yeah, I mean, it's only a prediction on my part. I have no insider information, but I don't think it's going to be 42, but I think there'll be a reduction of some sort. That's just my opinion. Yeah, there definitely will be a reduction, and you're right. It may not be quite uh, 42, um, and, and it's not going to be, you know, the, the all the teams that were on that initial list. But I can tell you for a fact that there's no definitive list as we sit here right now um right. it's still it's still you know uh you know like like a a ball of clay being molded so uh we'll we'll see where it's where it exactly lands you know we get we get a lot of intel from from uh from the negotiating committee uh on down and and uh things change every day it's been a roller coaster for us over the last few months uh, yeah. without going into details. It would be really neat, I think, someday, uh, years down the road, somebody may write a book about this uh, whole thing that's that's gone on over the last six months, and I think it would make a pretty darn interesting read. Thanks so much for your time. No matter what happens, I, I want Williamsport desperately to stay right, th- right there and doing what they're doing because uh, you know I think the world is going there. And obviously, you know, of course, you know how strongly I feel about State College's situation too. But I feel as strongly about Williamsport too. Gabe, thanks so much. Steve, you got it. Say a prayer, everybody, and that uh, both the Cutter State College and even Erie are are still yep. uh, all in affiliated ball come twenty twenty one. Absolutely. Gabe, thank you, my friend. I want all three to survive, all of them. That is one of the class acts in any business. Gabe Sinecropia, nothing but the highest respect for him. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. We'll come back with Dick Girardi next half hour, News Radio 1070 WKOK.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. With that, we bring in our good friend Tony Knopp. I hope you're safe and sound, Tony. Everybody's happy and healthy, my friend. Hope the same for you guys. Yeah, it is. Yes, so far so good. So far so good. Crazy times. We'll check every day, right? Yeah, crazy. It is crazy times, and obviously, it's crazy times, especially in in, in your industry, every industry across the board. Absolutely. Uh, so, what has been the effect uh, for you? And then we'll get into some of the specifics for what other people are dealing with. Yeah, it's you know it's been significant on the sports and entertainment side. It's we get asked every day when we think that we're going to come back and what our ideas are, and you know we're involved in all of those meetings and discussions with the teams, the leagues, and the sponsors. And the reality is, people just don't know. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of different approaches to what's happening uh, out there. A lot of people who were pretty overly stretched out with debt are really, really hurting, and I think in a lot worse shape than they'd like to let on and you know for the listeners out there you know behind a lot of these large events there's generally a very large business that's you know a multi-billion dollar market cap company whether that's an endeavor who owns all of the rights to the ufc or they also own all of the rights to all the hospitality and much of the ticketing for the super bowl so that company has had you know 30 percent of their staff laid off they're laying off a bunch more they've got a lot of debt you know live nation has a lot of debt on them they own Ticketmaster. StubHub, some people won't even believe, has gone from 3,000 employees down to 150. So there's been significant changes in our market. We've been relatively strong as a business. We're you know mostly a software company, and that continues to hold up. Right. So we've been we've been taken care of, which has been a blessing that's not lost on us. And I think everybody's just really focused on what's going to happen, you know, when events do come back and, and how they come back across the board and so that's just that's the conversation du jour right now is how are we going to handle this what does that look like and what do we think is going to happen there all right so let's get to a couple of specifics for a moment uh we're in this position right now where you know somebody may survive but in a different form somebody might not survive there's some people saying that today maybe the canadian football league doesn't survive for example right uh, so, and then the, I want to talk about MLS first. Uh, they have brilliantly marketed to ages 18 to 34, as we've talked about. But they're not—they're not the big profit machine. So nope. where are, where are they in all of this? The MLS. So the, the leagues that are the most interesting in this are the MLS, the NHL, and Major League Baseball because they're yes. the most reliant on yes. ticketing revenue, right? Yep. NFL is yep. only only eighteen percent reliant on ticketed re- revenue. So if they can get back, they can put some people in the suites. They can have twenty thousand people in the building. They can show their games. They're not going to be in a situation where they're hurting so bad. And a lot of times, what, what we're hearing is, well, you know, the players aren't going to want to come back unless they get their whole cut. I think they're more realistic than that. We've spoken to a few of them. We've, you know, we, we deal with a lot of the agencies. They know that they've got to keep things afloat, right? This is no longer a case of how fast are we growing. This is a case of, you know, the example we've generally used and how these sports leagues are looking at each other is like that day you were in class and they introduced the curve. And it was no longer about getting a 98 out of 100. If you got a 54, but the curve was 52, you're in pretty good shape. 
Yeah. And, and that's how a lot of these leagues are looking at it. Now, the problem is you have some leagues that are really hampered by this. And the NHL, Major League Soccer, and Major League Baseball are incredibly reliant on ticketing revenue. So I think we're going to see them push the envelope and come back. The LAFC down the street here opened their training facility already. Yeah. So Major League Soccer, the other problem Major League Soccer has is there's a lot of debt on these teams and on these buildings. So a lot of times what they do, you know, they, people think that billionaires just have billions of dollars sitting in a bank account. They don't, right. right? What they do is they borrow against the assets that they have. And those assets, you know, to make it really simple for people, um, like Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Houston Rockets, he made his money in restaurants. And so now he's out trying to raise money against his restaurants, and he may at one point have to use the Houston Rockets as collateral to do this. So I think what people don't realize is what you've said already is that there are things that we've taken for granted as just normal part of our lives, businesses, that are not going to make it through this. They're not going to exist. Well, Tony, there's another part to this, too. I think if there's one element that's been exposed in this above all, which is something you and I have talked about and you and I have always known, so this is we, this is not going to be a foreign conversation for you and me. But I think now people are finding out the slim margins with which these businesses operate. Yes, the owner does well, but when the margin gets cut, they're not so they they don't have a money tree in the back and they can't take care of it because the margin was actually exponentially thinner than people realized. It is. And, and when, you, when you're when you in a situation when you don't have leverage because you have a large TV deal that cuts you in across the board yep. and you're trying to grow a league, what people, people probably don't understand when they look at businesses that are growing is growth is taking the revenue that you have and pumping it into getting more. So you're leveraged. They call that leverage. So you have you know, a lot of debt out there on your business as you're starting to grow it. But the minute those revenue streams dry up, people start calling on the debt. And many of these owners have other businesses, right, that they made their billions on in the first place. Right. And those are running into debt issues, too. And those are running into debt calls, too. And, you know, the thing that we're hearing the most, which is the most frightening to me, I, I kind of have two thoughts on this that, that frighten me going forward. One, a lot of businesses out there right now are looking at their P&Ls, their profit and loss statements, the same way you and I are looking at our credit card bills for the last 60 days and thinking, mm -hmm. maybe some of that stuff I don't need to bring back. I didn't realize I could get it this far down. And that hurts the entire process, the entire economy across the board. Right? And I think that that's what's happening with some of these teams and leagues and how they're looking at what happens next. Right? Can we afford this? Are we going to be able to afford this? And going forward, do we even want to afford this? So that's a, a big concern. The bigger concern in talking to all the corporate sponsors that we talk with, and we, we had around we had roundtables with our corporate partners uh, two weeks ago. We had 150 executives from different companies over five days, and the overwhelming response was, "We want to be good partners, and we believe that the teams in the leagues are going to do us right." But you and I both know that everybody's definition of right is very different. <laughs> and so once those conversations start to happen, unfortunately, you sink to the lowest common denominator, and that's usually a contract. And so I'm really not bullish on what happens when we come back. And Steve, we're going to come back a lot faster than people think we're coming back. I agree. Whether that's right or wrong, there's too much money at risk. We've yeah. been talking to the NFL teams for the last day. Their sales yesterday for most of the teams were were pretty uh, were pretty uh, robust, right? There's there's going to be a market for this, and what happens when they come back and say, "Okay, we're back. We've got a stadium that fits sixty thousand people. We're only going to let thirty thousand in, but by the way, we sold all thirty thousand of them." And Company X, here are your tickets. And Company X comes back and says, "Well, we don't want to send anybody right now." Right. right, Because what you and I both know what's going to happen is people say, well, you don't want to be liable, right? You don't want to right. be that company that sent Steve Jones and Steve Jones gets COVID-19. But that indemnity already exists. When you buy a yeah. ticket to a Penn State football game, if you had gone last year and gotten pneumonia and got really sick, you can't sue Penn State. That exactly. indemnity is already part of the transaction. Right. All right, so you meant uh, the college game going to Penn State. Mm -hmm. Oregon's governor... She said 
that no large gatherings until October 1st. Now, incredibly stupid. I, it's an incredibly stupid thing to say, but I shouldn't right. say that because I don't talk I mean, politics. But yeah, you there's and I absolutely don't, yeah. no reason to rush to be yeah. first if you're going to end up being wrong there. Let me let me give you a saying that I've used on this show many times, and people know it. You don't make a decision till you have to make the decision. Exactly. Right? Hey, that's how. That's to me what good decision making is. That aside. What does that do? Because that's Oregon and Oregon State. Now Arizona's yeah. in a different boat. Is in a different boat. We know what Washington's gone through, and you're in California. Mm-hmm. So, what does this do for the Pac-12? Well, here's here's what's going to be the most interesting part of all of this. Um, number one, if you're Ohio State now, and you're supposed to be going to Eugene September 12th. Yes. You're immediately on the phone saying, are we playing this game in Las Vegas? Yeah. Or are we not playing this game? Because I think people oversimplify back to the statement we already made. People ask me all the time, when do you think sporting events are going to come back? And I say, they're going to come back very soon. And especially people in the Northeast get very angry with me when I say that. I said, look, I didn't say whether I thought that was right or wrong. And they say, oh, you're optimistic. No, that's not optimism that drives that decision. It's my pessimism that drives that decision. There's too much money at risk. Capitalism will drive people to make that decision. And people are saying, well, you know, in a home-and-home, home, like what, or, what Ohio State and Oregon are doing, right. you, you keep the revenue for yourself. If you're Ohio State, you know that 2021 is very likely going to be a far more lucrative game than 2020. I have no idea what's going to happen in 2020. Are you trading with Oregon? No way. Right. Right? You're not doing that. So you're going to suggest it, it just, a, just very, very quickly for everybody, everybody hears about guarantees those guarantees are for the group of five teams. When you play another Power Five team, it's it's structured so you take care of expenses, and then the home team keeps revenue. Right. So it's, it's I'm going to take all the money for this game. You're going to take all the money for next game, and that's it. And so Ohio State, no way they're going to agree to that. So are they going to talk about playing somewhere else? Now, here's the frightening thing about all this: is this is going to come down to politics. And the, and the unfortunate thing for the Pac-12 is that blue states are going to be last to this. There's a number of reasons they're going to do it. We don't need to talk politics on the show, but this is an opportunity for that. And New York and California are going to be last. So most of the superpower football teams reside in red states, and they're going to play. And the neighboring red states are going to be open for business. So what happens when Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, comes out and says, no large events in California until October, and then Arizona and Nevada say, hey, Rams, you want to play your home games out here? Come on out. we got a brand-new stadium in Las Vegas. we got a state-of-the-art stadium in Phoenix. Unfortunately, those decisions are going to come to a head, and it's going to get really ugly. And the two um, conferences that are going to get the hit the hardest on this are the Big East and the Pac-12. The Big East and the Pac-12 are going to get crushed because they're, they're already forgotten about conferences that aren't doing very well, and it's going to get worse this year. Which then brings up this part. The Big Ten has 14 schools, but located in 11 states. Mm-hmm. The SEC has 14 schools located in 11 states. Nebraska is different than New Jersey, Rutgers. Very different. Mm-hmm. So what is the thought process of, all right, we're going to move forward, even though not everybody might be able to move forward? It's The reality is, I mean, your coach talked about it, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. He did. That, look, he did. We're, we're going to move forward, whether everybody's on board or not. And the reality is there's going to be really – this goes exactly back to the statement that we made earlier, right? Everybody's in it together until they're not. Right, And everybody believes in doing what's right until they realize that everybody's definition of what's right is very different. Tony, can I make one quick, have to sit can, down. Go ahead. Can I make one quick point, though, about going in together? If you don't play, you still get the TV and bowl money because yeah. that's the structure. So actually, you are yeah. still going forward together, but you just aren't playing. You start playing. And you lose your ticketing revenue and all that, and, right. and that's all yes. fine. And so I think the conferences are going to look at it as – Again, this is about survival. I think they play. And I think if the, if the universities 
decide not to be a part of that, then they don't play. And it gets, you know, they've been talking about reorganization of the league in Major League Baseball for the last couple of weeks, how they're talking about making it more local now. And you're going to have three leagues of ten. And so you're going to have, you know, the Oakland A's and San Francisco Giants are going to be in the same division. Uh, You know, the Phillies and the Pirates are going to be, you know, all all the same things. You're all going to play against each other regularly because you're close. You know, Detroit's no longer going to be American League. They're going to play against, you know, the Pirates. So that could be a solution, and that's where the mega conferences are going to have a lot better uh, opportunity because, you know, the Big Ten has enough teams to do this. The SEC has enough teams to do this. The Pac-12 has enough teams to do this. The Big Eight, you know, they're they're low on quality teams. It, there's going to be a bigger change. So I think, you know, like we've said before, people have asked me regularly, do you think there's going to be football in the fall? I do. We were on a closed uh, – a closed invitation-only conference call with the NCAA. They had a doctor on there who's an epidemiologist that was not tied to the NCAA, who was very openly saying, you know, behind closed doors, I believe we're playing with fans in September because four to five months is an eternity in order to how we figure these things out. And I think you and I both know there's too much money on the line that this is going to happen and they're going to play. Right. Which is, you know, which is, that's really interesting that they said that. Uh, obviously, uh, USC's this weekend. Um, you got uh, racing starting at I think Darlington next weekend. Then uh, IndyCar comes back June sixth. Charles Schwab. Yeah, uh, the Schwab is June eleventh. Okay, now those that's different. How important is it for everybody? I'm going to guess that Major League Baseball is going to be the first to have an established league get going and be okay when they are going. Because in, in Germany, they're starting up soccer again. Yeah, they started the Bundesliga. It's, yeah. You know, the thing, about, uh, the thing about it that gets lost in a lot of these conversations when you talk about South Korea is playing baseball, or Germany is playing soccer, or Sweden's doing what Sweden's doing. Geographically, those places are significantly, I mean, by, by a factor of multitudes, smaller than the United States. Geographically, right? So they... When they talk about a hot spot here and a hot spot there, there's not as much differentiation as there is when you're talking about North America. That's and right. so, right, you, you, when, you, when you travel from Munich to Frankfurt, it's a four-hour drive, right? That's not even going from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Exactly. And it, it's just a smaller place. So I'm not sure that their success internationally is going to drive anything that we're doing here. I think what we are going to see here. USC is going to trailblaze it, and I think baseball is going to follow with. We're going to play in places that are not necessarily hot zones, and then we're going to figure it out from there. And I don't know whether that's the right decision or not. Like, I believe they're going to play. Do I believe they're going to play and pull it off and not get shut back down? I have no idea. But I think Major League Baseball being outdoors, easier to socially distance within the stands. Uh, your listeners may not know this, but it may sound crazy to them. There is a live concert on the 15th of this month, one week from today, in Arkansas, in a building indoors, which is set up for 6,000 people that's going to have 300 attendees. And they set up, the, they, they released the seating chart, they showed how everybody separated, how there's three rows in between everybody, there's no aisle seats. That's the direction we're going. I think baseball, like you said, is first, and if they have success, then I think we're going to see what Jim Nance said on Real Sports, this, this golden age of sports where we're going to have I mean, Steve, we're going to have a situation where we're going to have the U.S. Open of tennis, the U.S. Open of golf, the Kentucky Derby, the Indy 500, the basketball playoffs, baseball moving towards the playoffs, the NFL kickoff, and college football within a seven-week period of each other. Yeah. That's insanity. Yeah, and the Masters in November. The Masters in November to tie a bow in all of it. And what they're talking about is if the U.S. Open of tennis doesn't go off in New York, they're going to play it here in Indian Wells in November. That's yep. the contingency plan. That. I heard that. I it's heard a stadium that. of seventeen thousand people. This is uh, well, obviously, it's unprecedented. Despite what everybody thinks, <laughs> I did not. I did not live through the Spanish flu hundred and two years ago. I'm not that old. <laughs> Tony can attest. Tony can attest. I'm not that old. <laughs> 
That's funny. I think, you know, I think when we look at that, though, you know, even there, I'll make that point, which people get angry about sometimes, but they play college football in 1918. And a lot of people say, you know, look, you know, that was 100 years ago. A lot has changed. And a lot has changed 100 years ago. But 100 years ago, we were not monkeys rubbing stones together. We had discovered, you know, Newtonian theory. We had combustible engines. We had, you know, people yeah. were intelligent at that point. They had the ability to think cognitively. And yeah. so history generally does repeat itself. And I just think there's going to be too much demand for this. And eventually it's going to become a shootout between blue governors and red governors, and the states are going to be caught in the middle. And maybe the sports will be caught in the middle. Absolutely. Uh, one quick side personal note. As somebody who's rebuilding his phone inventory because my phone died three months ago, you stole my cell, cell number, right? I do. <laughs> right. Could you do me a favor and send me a text? That way I've got your number. <laughs> I will do that. Because <laughs> if, if you're wondering why I haven't texted you to say, hey, you doing okay? That's the reason. <laughs> no, so I just, appreciate that. We're we're just, doing we're doing great, and, and the, that oh, is not lost on us. There's a lot of people that are really really hurting. We're yeah. doing the best we can to keep uh, to keep ourselves going, and then to help people that need it. Because this is, like I yeah. said, it's unprecedented, and I, I think it's going to get bad. I'm not sure yeah. it's going to bounce back yeah. as fast as people think. Right. No, but shoot me a text. That way, I've got it. And then the other one final question that deals with the construction at, at SoFi. Uh, it ha- is it on track to be done? Yes. Yeah, they're on track to be done. They had okay. two cases a month ago that they isolated and didn't spread. Uh, they've taken individual ticket sales. They started taking individual game ticket sales yesterday, and those did very well. It's one of the teams we talked to. So, I mean, even in a state where some people don't believe they're going to have live events, tickets are selling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they plan on having that one done, and they plan on having Allegiant done, and that's that's a lot of the conversation you know, when we found out about the Oregon uh, Ohio State thing. The first thing that came to mind was they're going to play that game in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. At Allegiant yeah. Stadium. Or they'll go play it at Jerry World in Texas. Tony, my good friend, great, great to hear you. We will talk soon. Absolutely. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. Tony Knopp. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, and at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK.